When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It is the first day of the three-game stretch. If you're a Penn State football fan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The three games that you care about most on the Penn State football schedule, they begin today. And we're going big on the BWI Daily Edition live show. Because it was the bye week, I've watched all the film. So we're going to talk about Penn State Michigan. We're going to talk about the previous five games of the season. We're going to get you teed up for Penn State Michigan. I'm hyped. Let's get it going on the BWI Daily Edition. Nate Bauer, BWI Daily Edition Monday co-host with us today. Nate, you're going to have to do some heavy lifting today because I've got a lot of things in my brain and you do the best job of getting them out of my brain. Oh, wow. I I was just going to say that I, I don't know if I can match your intensity here, but I'm going to try. I'm going to. There won't be any yelling out of me, though. I'm sorry. <laughs> that might have scared people. I apologize about that. Uh, if you're watching the show uh, today here live on YouTube Monday night, I know we're going to get Monday night football, but it's only Pat Mahomes. Who cares? We're talking about Penn State football. Boo. We're talking about the thing. Nate, it's the three game stretch. And it no is. longer can we talk about who have you played? We can't talk about. Yeah, well, but yeah, this is a good team versus a good team. We're going to find some stuff out this weekend. Yeah. No weather. I'm excited for that. Um, off the bat, yeah. What's one thing you want to learn about? Uh, you want to learn about Penn State this weekend when they face Michigan? Just one thing you don't think we've learned yet, but we can and will on Man. Saturday. Uh, that's hard to limit to one thing, I think, because I, first of all, I don't want to downplay Penn State winning at Purdue to open the season. I think that's a good win. Like, I still mm-hmm. think that that's a good win. I know Purdue has. Uh, a loss or two at this point, but I, I still think that that Purdue team is pretty good uh, or decent at least. Uh, and so that, that win counts in my book. Auburn is uh, its own set of problems, but Penn state still did fairly well against that defense. So like discounting Penn state's offense, because it really hasn't faced a defense other than that one, I don't think is fair either, but what, what's one thing that I'm looking forward to seeing? And this is a thing that I shouldn't have to say at this point, but Sean Clifford, what, what like, <laughs> what's, what's he, what, what version is he going to be? And I, and certainly I understand the narrative and the conversation that happens out there uh, in the ether of him having all of that evidence being on film and you knowing exactly what he's going to be. I I don't necessarily buy that narrative, uh, particularly in bigger games. I think that he has had pretty good games under pressure that have had, as James Franklin talked about this offseason, between three and five backbreaking type plays that that have torpedoed what are otherwise mature 
heady, solid efforts. And so I want, I want to see that. I want to see what that effort looks like from him uh, in a game that demands it more than what the Auburn game earlier this year did. So the way you phrased it is right. But the number you said is 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 my problem because yeah. it's more you, more than three to five. <laughs> no, no, no. It's but thirteen no, it's, to fifteen backbreaking plays per game. It, it is three to five. But if you throw yeah. the ball thirty times, that's ten percent of your passes yep. are turnover worthy. You know, to borrow a PFF term. Uh, yep. If you fumble the ball and you give them the ball, or you potentially put the ball in harm. That is not a mature, heady performance then. Like you have officially crossed that line from <sighs> one or two, which is, you know, against a good team. Yeah. But but you your point is is valid, though. Your point is valid about Sean Clifford and making so many good decisions and doing so many things to keep you in the game. Because it can't be a big game if you're getting blown out and they have not been blown out on a regular basis so that's absolutely true but it's just that knife in the back that you're waiting for if you're a penn state fan and if that keeps you up at night nate yep if if it that is it some, does not keep me awake i'm i sleep like a baby but if, i understand uh, why penn state fans do if if it is something that causes you anxiety if you find yourself on message boards late at night typing with a furrowed brow into your computer and you find yourself in a state of constant frustration where you're yelling at other individuals on the internet, you may have Sean Clifford fatigue. <laughs> Ask your doctor for signs and symptoms to see if you have Sean Clifford fatigue. And if you do, a great remedy for Sean Clifford fatigue is rogueshop.com. Use the promo code BWI for 10% off of uh, some of the best product you can get when it comes to CBD, THC, and more. I am a satisfied customer um, when I need to sleep, I got a big day the next day. I am not a person who sleeps well. Either it's stress, I forget to eat sometimes, and then like I'm up all night because I'm hungry. All kinds of stuff happens. I get all a whack. I am not a great sleeper. So when I need something to get me to bed, uh, and if you have chronic insomnia or anything like that, uh, I use the Delta 9 gummies, but they got plenty of different things that can help you uh, get to sleep. If you have chronic pain, another part of... Uh, Rogue Shop's mission is to help people. As a disabled veteran, Richard from Rogue Shop is all about helping people with pain. THC, CBD, they do these things at a very uh, very natural and holistic level. If you suffer with chronic inflammation or any of those things, check out their CBD tinctures. The, gut, the uh, tinctures, they take about 30 minutes to one hour to take into effect, but they affect the entire body. It is a whole system uh, situation where you are going to be uh, knees, joints, ligaments, muscles, everything is going to be affected by the tinctures. So check them out again. Promo code BWI for rogueshop.com. And uh, you don't have to live in silence suffering from Sean Clifford fatigue. So, Nate, poor Sean Clifford, lay off this guy. I needed it for a transition. I know, I, but I'm reading the comments. I'm reading the comments and I feel, I feel bad. I, I don't. Oh, I don't know about this. Stephen light. Guys. <laughs> you see, I, I get it. I get it. Okay. Um, so you want to talk a little bit about the setup to the game. And I think that's an important place to start. Sure. Penn State's five and zero coming into the game. They're ranked in the top 10. We're at the separation point that we're oh. in every single season where Penn State is fifth, fourth, sixth, and then they play the tough games. What is it about this team that is different or 
the same this year that you've seen through five games? Oh, man. Well, I take issue with the way that you set that up. That's my first issue. Is Sorry. I, I don't. <laughs> well, what do you want to talk about then? Well, no, the... no, no, no. Like, I do I do want to get to that. But I just, I, I think this, like, this narrative of, oh, they get to 5-0 and every season. They get to 6-0. and And then they actually have to play the tough games. Like, I reject that. I just right. do. And so, like, but it's not it's not your fault and and I don't even know if that's necessarily your opinion but I do think that that is the larger conversation that happens around Penn State football based on the success of 2016 well 2000 look they were two they were 2 and 2 in 2016 right that right. season turned right. into something else okay but yep. 2017 they were what 7 and 0 2018 mm-hmm. they had a loss at some point in kind of early middle of the season that Ohio State game obviously was in early October I believe it was 2019, they were 8-0 before they got to Minnesota and lost that game. Right. 2020 was a disaster. It was what it was. 2021, 5-0. Okay? So right. I get it. But it's not like there weren't wins that happened that were relevant and good in the moment before right. them. So that's right. my that's my the first thing I have to say is they have passed tests previously to get to that 5-0. and And you look around the country – there are a lot of teams that should be ahead of Penn. Like Penn State has risen to 10th in the rankings without right. having beaten a top 10 type team yet. Uh, but there are a lot of teams who were ranked ahead of Penn State that lost games that they had no business losing. And so the credit has yeah. to be given to Penn State for having passed every test that's been on the schedule to this point. Now, now. Where is this Penn State team right now? Uh, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. I, I think that winning game that winning games against a top five team on the road is very hard to do. That it just it goes without saying. People love to point out things like uh, a, a coach's record against top five teams in general, yeah. or t- even top ten teams in general. Guess what? Most coaches lose most of their games against top five teams that are. If 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 their team is the lower ranked team, they will usually lose that game. So that yeah. that like that is that is kind of where my head is at on this one is that yeah, Michigan's favored to win this game, and it's going to be very challenging for Penn State to win this game. But are, does Penn State have the pieces or the ingredients that could allow it to win the game? Yeah, I do. I think so. The defense yes. is very good, and I yeah. think that the offense has shown enough flashes. Uh, that if they can somehow sustain some of those flashes, they will have an opportunity to win. Yeah, I think these two teams are incredibly similar, and I, I not a not a mirror image, not a carbon copy, but they have similar strengths. I think they have similar question marks, and I think they have similar players at a lot of different positions. And it's going to make for an even game. Uh, Zoe asked me today, she's like, who's going to win? And I said, honestly, I don't know. It, yeah. This is going to be a really fun game to watch because everything sets up for it to be a battle on both sides of the football. There's not a clear dominant advantage, I think, for either team. So when we get into talking about the game and all of those things, this is going to tell you a lot about both teams because you mentioned yep. um, Michigan has not really played a lot of tough competition. Now, again, not to take three Big Ten wins away from them, but uh, Iowa is struggling this year. Yep. Uh, Beating Maryland is a good win. 
Maryland is a is a good team, and Indiana is always a tough out. But you you look at some of their weaknesses and some of the things they're doing for a game plan. They're clearly an overmatched team. So both teams, I think you, I actually think Penn State has been more battle tested so far this year, despite the fact that Michigan's been in the fourth quarter with some of these teams and has been pressing to win. Like they had to pull it out in the fourth quarter. Uh, I want to get to this though, because this is awesome. James says I have my third to last exam ever at Penn state tomorrow. Please help me procrastinate studying. James, if you don't graduate, if you don't graduate, I'm coming to find you and apologize that I distracted you uh, from your exam. T Frank, I have, I have a question that just popped into my head that I think is interesting that we should discuss. Okay. Let's say there, let's say that last year doesn't exist. Uh-huh. And that the rankings in the preseason don't exist. Okay. Yeah. Everyone starts from unranked. Uh, where would Penn State and where would Michigan be ranked right now if the if the first week of rankings were today? Do I still know everything I know about Penn State minus last year? You know, you know only the things that have happened in games this year for Penn State. And okay. the only thing that you know about Michigan are games that have been played this week and they didn't start the season. Michigan did not start the season ranked in the top five. Like they were just, it's just yeah. both unranked. Where would they be? Um, so without knowing the rest of the teams and we're, we're starting with the base. I'm just saying where, yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. I'm, I'm getting to, to the other. answer. I'm getting to the answer. I'm getting to your answer here. I know what you're getting. I know what you're driving at. I would say like, if these are both top 10 teams, not knowing the rest of the country and not understanding any of that stuff, um, seven and eight, Eight and nine. You know, I think that Michigan's a little bit inflated right now. And Penn State is probably accurately ranked. Yep. Um, But both of these teams are not, uh, I think, if you wanted to say, like, neither of these teams are top 10 teams because you you believe that they're both going to finish with two losses, I could see that. I could see that. I could also see one of them finishing with one loss and being in the conversation somewhere. Let me say the word that you're looking for and didn't say. These two teams are not complete. Yes. Yes. I would agree with that. Right. There are there are holes that the right opponents will exploit. That, yep. that certain op- opponents on their schedules will f- be able to be better than, which is not to say that there are many out there that are complete. There aren't. Right. That's college football for you. There, there yep. is no free agency. It's tough to do. But <laughs> and check right. out the NFL, by the way. There are very few complete teams in the NFL. So it's hard to be a complete football team because you need 22 starters on offense and defense. Yeah. Uh, and, and like, uh, by the way, for everyone that is in the chat here um, and for is Tennessee complete? Here's a great question. I don't know. Yep. I haven't watched Tennessee. Um for everyone that's asked this question, I'm just going to get this, rip this bandaid off, and then I'm going to ask for something in return to everyone watching. Because the number one thing I've been asked for two weeks, Nate, is, yeah, but what about the Michigan offensive line? Can they do it against the Michigan offensive line? Are they going to be able to run this defense because of the Michigan offensive line? The Michigan offensive line is okay. Mm. They're okay. They're not. They're not, I'm not trying to tear them down to their appropriate ranking like Auburn, but they do need to take a step back in your mind as an entity because of a couple of different things. And I'll tell you 
after you hit the like button, please. Boom. We're we're 15 minutes into the show. I Do haven't it. begged for a like just yet. Like I, we're we're giving you the good stuff today. You're gonna get all the inside information about Michigan and how they match up with Penn State and all that stuff. So a like is free. If you want to donate to the channel, be one of our uh one of our regulars that that gives through super chats. Always appreciated. We're taking your questions in the uh, in in the chat as well today, but we're going to break down all that stuff. And if you like the video, it helps everyone else know the videos is happening and that we're getting you the Monday preview, the biggest week of the season until next week. Uh, so, yeah, the, the Michigan offensive line is OK. Don't forget, this is the same Michigan offensive line that allowed nine pressures and two sacks to Arnold Ebikidi a year ago. And Penn State is not far off that production in terms of having replicating that player this year. So three-fifths of that offensive line is back, mm-hmm. and they're not especially great at uh, stopping uh, at running between the tackles, Nate. This is something that over the last three games, I was watching this, and then I, I went and looked at the stats to see if I was right, and I love it when that happens that I am. Um, I had a whole graphic for it, and it's not here. So oh, I'll just no. tell you. I know. Live radio, right? Live TV, live YouTube. Um, Blake Corum over the last three games against, um, Indiana, Maryland, Iowa, and Indiana in between the tackles. He ran for 19 yards, 65 yards, and 31 yards. Then on the edges of the box outside the tackles, he ran for 179, 58 and 90. Keep him between the tackles because the interior of this line is okay. But Penn State is good, so you have an advantage there. And Penn State, uh, Indiana, was able to keep them to 19 yards. Do you think, Nate, that Penn State has more talent at defensive tackle than Indiana? I, I mean, I don't know anything about Indiana, but I would guess. They do. The answer okay. is yes, they do. Yeah, they do. <laughs> Indiana is always a better team than you expect, but they are not supremely talented. They got guys that can do specific things, but overall, Penn State's a better you know, defensive line clearly. So this group is going to be able to play with the Wolverines. And if they can handle Blake Corum on the edges of the tackle box, and they have athletic defensive ends to chase Curtis linebackers. Exactly. John Sutherland can contain the three players. I am concerned about John Sutherland has been much better this year in contain. He did a great job against Tank Bigsby and Jarquez Hunter. So he's faced this test before, but he's facing it again. And yep. and they're going to give the ball <laughs> to Corum. They're not going to forget to give him the ball until the fourth quarter like they did with Bigsby. So I think we could, that is a, him on the edge, playing contain, I think is a big thing. And then in, in, pass, in, in coverage, Penn State's linebackers, their middle linebackers, they're not, they're not speedy. They're not sideline to sideline fast. Neither of them. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you're playing man coverage and you line one of those guys up against Corum and he goes on a wheel route, hold your breath uh, because he's fast and and they are going to struggle to keep up. So hiding those guys in coverage, that's going to be a big thing. But they can play between the tackles. That's not that Penn State fans should feel good about that matchup and the defensive line overall. This this offensive line for um, Michigan hasn't really faced a pass rush. Yep. They've not faced an offensive line or a defensive line with legitimate speed and power to complement 
what they can do on the ground. And I think you're going to see, especially with the right tackle, Trent, uh, Trent Jones going down last week. If Penn State can get uh, McCarthy into third and long, I think it's ball game. And he's a really interesting player. He's a really interesting player we need to talk about too. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, where, where should we start here? Here's my question. Uh, okay. What, what, uh, if you're a Penn State fan watching this, this might not be the direction that you want to go, but what do you like about Michigan that you've seen? I know, I know that you've been able to watch Michigan. Blake Corum, yeah. you like him. Yeah. Uh, JJ McCarthy, like, uh, but, but whether you want to start on offense or defense, like what, what about this Michigan team has allowed them uh, to be as successful as they've been so far this season? I think that it's just that they're overall, they're a good team. So their offensive line is good. It's, it's not, there is, there's, there's lower levels of offensive line play in the NFL and in college football. So the idea of road graders, guys that are big, nasty, pull you, you know, pull you down to the ground, pancakes, all that stuff. A, a couple guys do that. But overall, it's really hard to get five really good offensive linemen that drive, block, and pass protect. These guys fall somewhere in the middle of all of that stuff. So they're a good offensive line. But when you hold them up to the standard of what you expect from physicality, movement, all those things, they're not, they're not intimidating they shouldn't be for penn state's defense mm -hmm. it's an even matchup but they're a good offensive line ronnie bell's a good receiver blake quorum is electric jj mccarthy they've built the offense in my opinion they've built the offense around his skill set so they're going more spread they're doing more play action they're getting guys wide open in space they're using the threat of blake quorum while still using blake quorum so it's all working when it's working mm -hmm. defensively they've got a good secondary Again, this is the, the correlation between the two is that when the running game's explosive and they can help the quarterback out, they're they're a dangerous offense with it with an offensive line that is capable. Mm -hmm. Um, but they they don't have depth at receiver as far as playmakers. Defensively, they've got a good secondary. That team plays well together. They do a lot of really interesting things on the back end that can confuse. They can play a lot of different coverages. Um, and there are only a cover a couple coverage busts, but for the most part, they're a good coverage unit, you know. Starting DBs, maybe we're not talking about the linebackers in that conversation. And then they got like three good pass rushers. Mike, um, Mike, what's his name? Number 90. Mike Morris is their best pass rusher. And just like Penn State, they've got a couple of other guys, uh, Jalen Harrell and uh, Ayabi Oki. That is, they're both those guys are good rushers that are, they have a little bit more of a flaw in what they do but they have potential. And I think both of those guys, I think are young guys that are developing. So really similar to Penn state as well in that area. So the flaws are similar. The strengths are similar. Their yeah. middle linebacker can't cover, but he's a good run defender. Like it all, it all levels. It's all kind of level. And yes, Steven, I would agree that Michigan's D line is not as good as it was last year. They lost two first round picks. And those guys, I don't think have you, the guys I just mentioned have not replenished that just right. yet. Right. It sounds uh, so. Penn State's playing Penn State this weekend, and Michigan's playing Michigan this weekend. Is that yeah? Pretty, pretty much, pretty <clears throat> much. Uh, and can our offense keep up though? Says Garrett ha uh, Hassinger. We'll get to that in a little bit because I do want to talk about JJ McCarthy because that's you know you've got to to keep up. You got to know what you're keeping pace with. 
Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, Nate, I found some really yeah. interesting. I was some really interesting stats were spat at me recently when I'm like, "Is McCarthy good?" Yeah. Like I'm, I'm, I'm interested in what people think of JJ McCarthy so far. Um, and of course, seventy eight percent completion percentage. One of the best, I think, maybe the most accurate in the nation. Um, so he's accurate, right? He completes a lot of footballs. But I found a lot of interesting things. You know, I said earlier he throws from a clean pocket all the time. Yeah. 80% of the time, 80.5% of the time, he is throwing from a clean pocket. No pressure. He's faced 18 pressures all season long. Um. He's also thrown to wide open receivers on a regular basis. And uh, in that completion percentage, 52.5% of his passes have traveled less than nine yards, zero to nine yards. So dink and dunk, small ball, play action. This is not a, this is also not a balanced offense that can throw the ball deep. They don't have a deep passing game. Um, and I his his mechanics are super interesting. I struggle with knowing how to feel about him. Yeah. I love, I love you using the word interesting. Cause I don't think that's what you actually think. <laughs> so no, here's, here's the interesting thing is that he is a good quarterback. Like I would say that he is the better quarterback <laughs> in this game as far as um, how he's performed this season and his overall skill set. Because when he's standing back there in that clean pocket, I don't see him panicking now you'll get that antsy sort of thing of like i've been back here five seconds i should get rid of the football every bone in my body is screaming but he's still scanning the field so i think he reads the defense well and he finds the right receivers to throw to but uh, here i'll just show you what bothers me his throwing motion is baseball all the way his he is what auburn wishes robbie ashford was in terms of a athletic baseball player with all the baseball throwing mechanics, they do this thing where they kick their leg out when they're throwing, uh, like they're throwing a baseball to first, you know, like when they're trying to get an out at first, that is not a consistent football mechanic. Both of them have this big wind up where his elbow comes really high. And generally his footwork is okay. So there's a lot of leakage in how he plays football. But he still gets there. He still gets to be accurate. Yeah. But it's that pressure. 80% of the time you're throwing from a clean pocket, if you've got bad mechanics and no one's forcing you into those old bad mechanics, well, what happens when they do? Right. Because I, I, that's going to happen what, this weekend. What does happen when they do? What What has happened on the 18 pressures? Do we know? Not good. Not good. Uh, no, no quarterback is good under pressure, but I, his PFF yeah. grade is 37. Um, he puts the ball in harm's way. He takes some sacks. He will run around forever to extend a play. Um, but I don't, I don't think it's, it's all great. And the other, the other part is when he is accurate, 
we're not talking about plus accuracy of putting the ball in the perfect location. So this is a little bit of the conversation we had with uh, Aiden O'Connell where you're throwing an out route and you leave it to the back shoulder of the receiver. Mm-hmm. The, the receiver can still make a play, but now the defense back can make a play too. Right. Um, you know, you underthrow a ball, the deep ball. I think where it really comes out is the deep ball. They don't, outside of Ronnie Bell, they don't really have any threats to go down the field. Uh, Shoemaker is their number two receiver. And really, scheme-wise, he's their number one. Like, they target him all the time. Um, so when they go deep, his accuracy, that's where I think that starts to affect him of not having super clean lower body mechanics and the arm inconsistencies and the arm angles and, and all that stuff. I think that's where it shows up. But mm. we'll have to see if Penn State can get to them, and I, I think they can. Yeah. These the the offensive line has not been put in a lot of situations where they have to pass protect on third and long. And when they do, they're just like Penn State. They've got massive holes at certain positions. Do they do they you know, part of the storyline from Purdue for Penn State was Penn State's pass right? Like Penn State's pass rush was not part of the conversation in those first two games because Ohio and Purdue got the ball out so quickly most of the time. I know yeah. that you, you mentioned that it wasn't as consistent as it was made out to be against Purdue, but I'm just curious how how quickly will Michigan try to get the ball out, and at what point or where do you where do you see Penn State's secondary uh, and its ability comparing? Um, them to some of the opponents that that Michigan has faced previously this season. Has Michigan uh, seen anything like Penn State's secondary so far? I guess is a better way to put that. I always want to give credit to Indiana because if you're watching what their secondary does, like here here's the thing. They're playing cover 2, which is a standard coverage. And all of a sudden you've got one dude running in man down the middle. And I watched this for two or three times. And like, there's a certain variation of uh, it's called Tampa two, where you got one guy that drops all the way. Very famous Tampa Bay Buccaneers coverage. Derek Brooks used to run 20 yards down the field and sit in the area. That's the weakness of that defense. They just decided instead of having that guy run in a zone, that guy's in man now. Okay. That's just what Tom Allen does. Crazy stuff. He rotates his safety. So it's a hard read, but as far as talent, no, no, they have not faced any team that has the talent of Penn State and the ability to play tight coverage in that situation. Yeah. Um, so that's that's that is an advantage for Penn State, which is again, if you're forcing the ball out quickly and Penn State's jumping routes, I think it's just kind of like Penn State's situation on the offensive side of the ball, where y- they have a good secondary too. They're gonna be active, they're gonna be aggressive. I think that they can play two different styles of defense. They played aggressive man coverage um, against Maryland, and then they played zone against Indiana. So they can switch it up and do whatever they want and whatever the, the game plan dictates. I think that's a similarity between these two teams. I, I guess it's just it's when we're talking about J.J. McCarthy and some of the pressures that he's faced or hasn't faced so far this season, it just seems to me like the conversation all wraps together, right? How how much will he be under duress? That's yeah. the first part of the equation. The second part of the equation is you 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 mentioned him throwing to mostly open receivers. Yeah. Well, it does yep. does Penn, does the quality of Penn State's defensive backs change that equation for him? Right. So like yeah. uh, in combination, then okay, take the deep take the deep ball away. All right, that's that's not there for them in the first place. Uh, can Michigan's athletes 
beat Penn State in the secondary on mistakes. And so, right. like I said, like I've been right. talking about for five weeks now, Penn state, not allowing chunk plays to turn into touchdown chunk plays. Right. Right. It just, it just seems to me like all of those are hanging in the balance based on like a, a variety of different things. If the pass right. rush isn't there, can Penn right. state secondary. So hang? first off it, it, and I hate to sound like I'm, I'm assuming I'm going to sound like Manny Diaz here. I'm going to sound like a, like just every defensive coordinator. It starts with the run game. Right. Stop Blake Corum because this is this is what it does. This is this is the point of having to stop the run first is you need to not worry about the run. You need to not obsess about it so you can play everything else. So if Blake Corum hits a couple of, of runs early, just like if Penn State hits a couple of runs early, then you're going to be over pursuing. You're going yep. to be dedicating more resources to the box and you're going to be two or three steps ahead of where you maybe need to be against other players. So that's why the Penn State defensive line is so important here to control things and allow a little bit of play so that on those hard bootlegs, when McCarthy is coming out the backside and they're doing the same old naked bootleg levels where you've got a guy going deep, you've got your intermediate route and your short route that everybody runs and Michigan runs a lot like Schoonmaker isn't wide the hell open <laughs> so that you have a guy, Sutherland, a safety, whoever, in the flat, anticipating these things because he's not worried that Blake Corum is going to rip off a 75-yard run on him because right. you're you're feeling that confidence of stopping the run. So it does start from there from a psychological perspective as much as it is a tactical one. Yeah. Um, and then if you eliminate those areas, if you're playing zone, McCarthy can pick you apart. He's, he's a good quarterback that sees the field well. He makes good decisions. And like I said, he's on those routes. He's accurate. He hits, he hits receivers where he needs to hit them. It's in those tight windows. If you can force those tight windows and Penn state has, then yeah, I think we're going to find out more about JJ McCarthy because he, he hasn't been put through a full game of that. And they, they scored 17 points on, what was it? In, was it Indiana? They were 17 to something in 17 to 10 in the fourth quarter. You know, I think a similar outing is going to happen this week. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, right. Like <laughs> it's, it's very difficult for me uh, to, to envision Penn state's defense getting uh, you know, I mean, certainly gutted is like, I can't necessarily see that uh, Penn state's defense has held up fairly well all season uh even mm -hmm. purdue 31 points six of those seven of those obviously were pick six uh right so so this is a penn state defense that's given up 13.2 points per game uh on the whole this season mm -hmm. uh that that's those are fairly good numbers against the michigan offense that is i i think we have to consider probably the most threatening that penn state has faced so far or at least the most well-rounded uh in terms of its ability to beat you both ways yeah. How about? And, oh, sorry. Just, Go ahead. Just quickly, Nick. Nick got this in before the show, and I appreciate him bumping him down this year. He says, "T. Frank and Nate, for some reason, I feel like the Penn State defense this year matches against Michigan far better than years past. Am I way off base here? Has the bye week gotten in my head? I thought they were a good match last year. I mean, they put up 24 points last year, and I think that this defense is similarly suited to go up against this offense because, despite what you might think about. So at least so far from what I've seen on film, they are not running the ball out of two tight end sets on 70% of their plays. Like Nate and I rolled our eyes at last year. They're going spread. Yeah. They're going pistol. They're going gun. They're doing a lot of different stuff that fits McCarthy. 
I think that's an important part of this is that it fits J.J. McCarthy and they have tailored the offense around him. Now, they'll still go two tight ends and they'll still pull three players to one side and like basically reset the offensive line on the other side. They'll still do all that stuff. They're still run focused, but they are incorporating some things that are more challenging for the defense. And uh, I have another rant for you, but I want to get your question first. Well, no, I mean, I was just going to flip the flip the script and ask you what Penn State's offense is is up against. I mean, do you want to get to that at at this point or or do you still have a few things more to say about Michigan's offense? So just one last thing. And I I, I probably bothered James Franklin enough asking about the pistol, but I (laughs) swear to you. Every offseason. Every coach, like I know they have coaching meetings and association meetings, but I think they all sit down at one of these, like in a back room, and they're like, all right, guys, what Now's are we running time. this year? What what <laughs> what are we all doing? What what's the new wrinkle we're agreeing to this year? Because I know that everyone's run pistol for a while, but now everyone's running pistol. Everyone's yeah. running condensed formations so they can get their running back to the outside. Everyone's doing all of the same things. Michigan a year ago did not go into the gun almost at all, or at least, you know, they were heavy focused on, on power and, and running the football old school stuff. And this year it's wide open. And I just, I don't know, like, do we all agree? There's like nine things you have to do. And then the 10th is yours to be different. I don't get, I don't know what's going on, but I want to know there's a conspiracy here. somewhere. Okay. We're going to get to the bottom of it before this week is over, buddy. I promise. Okay. How about how about uh, we were talking a little bit before the the, the show about Nick Singleton and yeah. uh, just how just how both of these teams have talented running backs. Obviously, uh, Nick Nick Singleton can't be mentioned without Katron Allen being part yep. of the the equation as well. Where do you see uh, not necessarily a one to one comparison, but how Penn State's running backs collectively uh, could fare against this Michigan's defense? it's going to be a tough day to run up the middle. They have their, they're very good uh, stout on the interior. I got to get his name up here because uh, 58 is, is a good uh, Maisie Smith. I think is his name Uh, 58, a lot of talent, 330 some pound defensive tackle, little inconsistent. um, And, but, but just generally Michigan, this is where I think the difference between the two teams of they're both good at stopping the run. Michigan does it with old school, big body defensive tackles, you know, they're, they're a little thicker up front consistently across the board. Mm -hmm. They did struggle with outside zone against Iowa, but who doesn't? Uh, And I do think that part of that is, is that size versus the movement and, and Penn state was able to get a couple against Northwestern similar players, but Michigan's are better athletes than that. So I don't think that's going to be a viable option. Um, 25, the linebacker, uh, his name escapes me because it's not my team that I cover, but 25 is a good run defender. And so I think up the middle is going to be a problem this week. So a lot of the same old Penn state gripes are going to come back of they can't run between the tackles. They can't X, Y, and Z. Well, this team is designed to stop those things, but I, you know, get them onto the edge of the defense. And I think you can, you can see, like you can see yeah. there's an area though. that I do think that Michigan's defense and stopping the run is an advantage for them because I think it, there's, they are a little cleaner in terms of the whole picture of run defense. I, would, now, I mean, I, 
I was just going to say, I, it, running between the tackles has not been Penn State's strength this season anyway. It's yeah. not It's not like that that's been, you know, a formula that they've gone to the well a bunch of times on. Um, and, yeah. and even when we look at Penn State's difference in the run game this season, understanding that Catron Allen has been more effective at, you know, those kind of five to eight yard carries. Yeah. Uh, you know, <laughs> let, let's let's be honest most of the the change in Penn State's running game in terms of a perception standpoint is based on five to seven big Nick right. Singleton carries. Right. Right. Well, and I, and I want to give him, I want to give him credit. He, he got, and I just, I, I want to make sure that we gave him credit for a little bit of progression here. He was ripping off some good runs against Northwestern. He was able to get into an alley and burst up field. And, you know, he, he is mostly, you're right. The perception is mostly based on the blowouts and the big runs. And but he is more consistent, I think, than the narrative around him has been that one guy's one thing, the other guy's the other. But you're right. Like it is that is the thing that both teams need in this game. And I think that's the thing that Penn State might struggle a little bit more to get because Blake Corum is an amalgamation of the talents that Penn state has in individual players at the moment. Right. Singleton yeah. is a better overall <coughs> prospect in the long run, bigger, probably a little bit stronger at the end of his career. You know, it's so hard because one guy is a finished product and the other one is just getting started. But uh, right now the individuals that Penn state has make up what you get from Blake Corum. So do you find some balance there that gets you a good rushing attack? And I should say that, that, Again, Michigan has not faced a good running game outside of the Iowa game where they didn't face a team that could throw the ball at all, you know, right. Spencer Petrus. Right. So this is a challenge for them as well. We'll find out something about their run defense and their athletes in space against Penn State's talent at running back. What is what is the I mean, why not save the best for last? What chance does Sean Clifford have? Let's let's dig into his soul. Yeah. To tell, you know, from a pass rush perspective, I mean, obviously Penn State's offensive line is is going to face a test there. Uh, but but on the whole, where does Sean Clifford figure in uh, to the outcome of this game? <sighs> How I... much time do we have? <laughs> I don't I, I don't. I don't know where to start with that is the problem. Because we could just go right to the obvious thing that if he can hit a deep pass, it changes the entire topography of this game. If Penn State has a just like if Penn State hits a home run in the run game, it opens yep. everything else up. If they if they can threaten Michigan deep, then you're going to have that. And here's I would say, let me start with Mike Yersich. Can I can I interrupt just very quickly? Sure. Can Michigan be threatened deep? Yes. So they're they're boundary starting point. Their boundary corners are good. So I I, they they are good players. If Penn State had Jahan Dotson, he could get open, you know, Mm -hmm. but they don't have Jahan Dotson. I think Mitchell Tinsley has a couple opportunities in this game to get open on a deep route. I think Penn State can scheme them open on a deep route, Uh, but it's going to be two or three chances. Right. And you've got to hit one of them. My fear would be that Mike Yersich, if they play a lot of cover three, Yersich loves to attack cover three. And if they play a lot of cover one and they're, you know, press man coverage and they want to, Penn State wants to throw them out of that, mm-hmm. 
you might get into a situation where you start to fall in love with the deep ball. That has been an issue at times. James Franklin has talked about not getting too far away from the run. Um, that formula doesn't necessarily work for Penn State. So that would be a concern going into this game that Penn, that Michigan, you might want to, you might see it's there and, and it is, but it's not, or at least it's not for you in this game with this player. <laughs> yeah. 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 So uh, the other place I'd attack is the slot. So if I'm, if I'm game planning, this is a big Parker Washington game and a big Brenton strange game in the slot. Um, 25, the linebacker susceptible in the pass, the numbers, uh, number zero, the slot corner. He struggled. Iowa got him a bunch of times. I know the screen game is a big part of this. So a lot of fans have told me already screen game is going to be big in this game. They didn't handle it well twice. Here's my problem with the screen game. First off, a lot of those were being used as a substitute for actual plays, actual run plays. And if you fall in love with those too much, they are a lower value play. You are literally throwing the ball negative yards downfield. So, and I understand it's a run and all those things are great. But if you want passing plays, you need to get the ball nine, 10 yards downfield. And Penn State can do that in this game. But again, that goes to Sean Clifford versus Iowa. Minus the two turnovers, dissecting zone coverage, seeing what they're doing. And one of the things that I think is a, is a calling card, because I had a hard time with this Michigan defense. They don't run one coverage. Like, you know, a lot of teams have a, like a, a, a calling card. Manny Diaz loves cover one. He's got the athletes. He wants to play man coverage. He wants to be aggressive. Some teams like to play cover three. Michigan will play two. They'll play six. They'll play four. They'll play every zone coverage. Um, but in third down situations, they will play one and zero. They will go after you. They will be aggressive. Now, they did that against uh, Tunga Valoa, who's a good quarterback. And they didn't do that against, um, they didn't do that against Indiana. And I don't even know that quarterback's name yet because it wasn't important. I didn't need it in my brain. <laughs> so, like I said, they'll do both. And that's going to be the curiosity for me is, is do they give the opportunity for catch and run? Brendan Strange to break a tackle. Right. Parker Washington to break a tackle. Right. Um, and it kind of same game plan, right? It's kind of the same game plan for both teams. Right. But that, that demands Sean Clifford making the right decision quickly, correct? Yes. Yes, making the right decision post-snap, preferably. Right. Not making the decision pre-snap and then staring it down. That would also be good. Yeah. So, there, there, I mean, there's a thousand other things in the offense that, that could work on. I know a lot of people on the message board have been pointing out accurately, talking about what zone reads. Is he supposed to give that ball off every time? You know, that's one of those decisions we talked to. I asked James Franklin about last year of, throwing all the screens and the RPOs and the read options. Like there's a lot of decisions he's got to make and he's got to make them correctly. And a lot of that stuff kind of gets swept under the rug. And, you know, even by me sometimes of the results of the play is what we're evaluating. But was that the right play to begin with? Like you have to yep. question that part too. Um, and those are the things that hang in the balance to me. If, if that's locked in Penn state is the team that I think can win this game because they have a better, I think overall, they have a deeper, more talented defense, and they have a similar situation with skill players. So the advantage is ever so slightly to Penn State in my mind, like 49-51. 51, right. But the 2% difference is McCarthy is a better quarterback. So, you know, it's anybody's game on Saturday. Gotcha. Gotcha. Uh, 
Is this it? Are we? Do we feel like we've exhausted our uh, our subjects for this evening, or do you have any more uh, insights to glean? I didn't talk about special teams, Nate. So, oh no, you don't want to talk <laughs> I, about special teams. I was never going to do that. I was never going to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I think that that's a good place to start for Penn State fans coming into a uh, week. I apologize to the chat. It seemed like you guys were keeping yourselves uh, occupied. Busy. Yeah. <laughs> so I I wanted to have more interaction, but there was just way too much going on over there. So uh, I appreciate everybody for being here, whether or not hit you're like Penn State or not. Please hit the like button. We yeah. have allowed you a forum to come on and talk smack politely. Uh, I only had to put one person in timeout, so that was good. Hope everyone had a good time tonight. Did you have a good yeah. time, Nate? I, always, always. Thanks so much for having me. And uh, big, big week ahead. Tuesday press conference, Wednesday practice, obviously Thursday. I mean, it's just, uh, yeah. it'll be here before we know it. I'm looking forward to it. We'll be out there in force and mass. Blue White Illustrated at the game uh, at the big house. Always a fun trip. Uh, yeah. Always looking forward to it. Should be a great environment. So, and if you, by the way, the, there are thousands of times that it's worth it to sign up for Blue White Illustrated to get premium access. But pregame is one of those times where Nate and Greg and Sean are there and they're saying, hey, X is not in a uniform. Y is not warming up or B is warming up. You get that stuff pregame that you can't get from the film because it already happened. And you can't get from the TV because they're still talking about USC Stanford or whatever nonsense you don't care about. Yeah. These guys are there. Their eyeballs are peeled. They're ready for that stuff. Sign up for $1, get 12 months of access. And if you're listening at this point, thank you so much. Please like the video. Please subscribe to Blue White Illustrated on YouTube because we're setting you up to be the smartest person all week among your friends going <laughs> into the game. You know so much about Michigan, and you didn't get it from just watching 20 minutes of a game on Saturday during the bye week. You got the intel. Full breakdowns coming up this week at BlueWhiteIllustrated.com. I'm your host, Thomas Frank Carr. We'll talk to you tomorrow with the recruiting show.